Welcome to the EFTM F1 podcast with Trevor Long, Harry Tucker and Connor McNally. Thanks to KO Sports, all the F1 action live, all season long. Welcome to the EFTM Formula One podcast. Trevor Long with you alongside Harry Tucker. Connor McNally is back from, you know, not just the winter break, but also the Tour de France. It's it's like the gang's back together, boys. Congratulations. <laughs> Great to have your company. Connor, you, you, you're first off the rank this week because you're, uh, you haven't been with us for a little while. So, yes. Bar 2022 <laughs> highlights. Uh, KO Mini, what are we talking? What do you think? I think uh, highlighted very best. Actually, no, 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 not highlights. I go the KO Mini for this one uh, because the opening stanza of the race was really good and then it just turned to shit. So just go the KO Mini. Well done. Harry, your thoughts? Oh, this is definitely Mini. Like we waited four weeks and uh, this is what we end up with. (laughs) <laughs> and, and I agree, KO Mini, uh, without any question. Don't don't look. Don't waste two hours of your life, as we did um, at uh, the middle of the night. Don't waste two hours of your day at any point. Um, look, people are passionate about Formula One. I get that, um, as we are. But if you didn't get up in the middle of the night to watch this race, I don't know why you're watching the whole thing. That's that's a resounding unanimous uh, opinion of uh, us here on the EFTM Formula One podcast. Thanks. To KO Sports. If you haven't got KO, get in net right now, kosports.com.au. Uh, sign up, get yourself a, a seven-day trial. You'll be ready ready and rock and rolling for the next race um, in which you'll see every single session, every single lap. And I think what's critical at this time of year, which we'll unpack a fair bit as we talk, is just everything that's going on in the paddock. There are, um, there's, there's some serious rumours, but there's also some very good on-the-ground noses uh, there at Sky Sports. So you really do get a sense of everything that's going on. Plus, there's a whole bunch of other sport. The NRL finals are coming up, and uh, there's cricket already started, so it's all happening on KO Sports. Now, boys, um, Max Verstappen started this race in, I don't know, where, 14th or something, and ended up winning uh, from Sergio Perez and a, and a handsome win, like 17 seconds. Carlos Sainz in third, George Russell fourth, Fernando Alonso a very decent fifth, Charles Leclerc in sixth, Ocon, Vettel, Gasly, and Albon rounding out the 10. I've got to say, Harry, first and foremost, I, I feel like is it, the way, is it the way the media hypes this up or did we really think it was going to be crazy? Because this was pretty much a standard race in terms of the way the cards fell. Uh, was it... Did I get overhyped by putting bets on so many different possible outcomes? <laughs> well, I mean, I did all that too, but I think mm. it's pretty fair. Like that kind of feeling that everyone had before the race, just looking at the grid. And obviously, you know, almost half the grid had grid penalties and were all out of position. And just seeing where everyone was, you know, I think it's a pretty fair bet to think that there's going to be some chaos at the start. And, you mm. know, we saw, we saw a couple of interesting... Starts up the line um, and a little tap between Fernando and Lewis right at the start. But that was that was kind of it of the silliness for that first lap. Yeah. Other than that, it was pretty much just processional driving and passing, as you would expect with faster runners um, through the backfield. Connor, it was pretty obvious from the get-go that this was Lewis Hamilton's fault. He, uh, he mm. bumped. He kind of turned in on Fernando and did the kind of classic open wheeler um, you know, airborne move, not quite Mark Webber airborne, but, um, you know, he certainly got some air um, and he admitted straight up it was his fault. He was a bit rude, to be honest, to Rachel in the pen saying, 
he didn't care what Esteban said on the radio. <laughs> he he just admitted admitted it was his fault, Connor. You mean uh, Fernando? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm actually glad for a change that he admitted for because usually Lewis would blame anyone else but himself oh, in that regard. I think it's um, just paint Lewis in that one there. What do you I mean? Think they all do that. I think he's the first driver ever to, to own faults in the history of the sport. Yeah, you know what? Probably in a fully outright way, he did just walk up and go, I've seen the replay. I, It's my responsibility. And you don't hear that a lot, even – when it's clear cut, do you? <laughs> I think that's the point, right? <laughs> but what, yep. what, what classic is, and you know, I think the the other insight into into that part of um, Lewis's mentality there, Connor, is he he seemed to walk back to the paddock, and secondly, he ignored um, warnings to go to the medical centre. So he's he's a grumpy man this weekend, Lewis. It has been a very grumpy man, and the fact that during qualifying they were like one point eight seconds slower than. Than the fastest, which was science in qualifying. I mean, that is just—it's just been a bit of a, a dreary weekend for Mercedes. They were looking for some improvements. They've obviously struggled all year, but any sense of improvements that they were looking for just weren't there. And Lewis has been a very grumpy man all season. Let's face it; he's really struggled with a car that has not been to his liking, and it's just carried on into this second half of the season. You know, and we're now what eight races to go now. Now that Spa's completed, and I'm now starting to think he won't win a race this year. He, he's oh, no. getting close, I but think, I, I can't. I see think it. he's. Thought, I think he's agreed on that. Harry, did you see the the pre-race interview they they showed with Lewis, where he talked about just can't wait to get out of this car and and work on next year's car. Essentially, they're doing that whole. You know, we're we're working on next year's car thing already, aren't they, Harry? Uh, I only saw the end of that one, um, but like you know, it's sort of. I don't even think going into this track or in this summer break that they really had any expectations that um, they were going to make serious progress. And I think this particular race just hammered it home. But it was sort mm. of it was a bit weird in the sense of I, I don't think it's just them that's resounded to that fact. Like you, we're obviously going to get into a lot of McLaren stuff later, but just for this race in particular, they're all they looked awful. Like they were just yeah. so out of the pace and, and sort of where both drivers ended up at the end, like, you know, particularly, you know, where Daniel was and, and being both of the drivers being stuck behind a Williams at certain points for long period. Mm. Like, like I don't think anyone has really come out of that long break with well, that development you know, on this year. What, what I took out of today's race is that we – we need to accept that this is Red Bull's year. Like I feel yeah. like up until even now, as stupid as this sounds because they've got a solid lead in the championship, it felt like there was still some hope that Ferrari would bite at their heels or Mercedes would come back. But in the end, what we've got is Red Bull dominance and we have to accept that and we have to say that the, we're racing for the the minor positions. Now, what's turn that conversation about Mercedes on its head and go – but actually, George Russell did pretty well. He got fourth place, and he that's did a very well credible, um, solid, no influence results. Like, there's no reason why Mercedes shouldn't have got fourth and fifth here um, at all. So it's pretty disappointing, you got to say, to um, um, to 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 see that Lewis is talking the way he is when they're actually able to get some pretty decent results broadly. 
Um, but I'll tell you what, I, I look down the down the field, and we're not going to go through the whole race because we just don't think it's worth it. But we'll just quickly talk about a few things that happen in the field, and then we'll get straight into the driver market. But a couple of legitimate results, Harry. Sebastian Vettel in eighth and Alexander Albon in tenth. Like, they're good results. Oh. Mm. Alexander Albon, though, he, he like, kind of ruined the race, like, to be honest. Like that, <laughs> because how, that can opinion, he, how can you say he's ruined it? Because it was, it's like, it kind of reminds me of you know when you're going for a nice weekend drive. You, you know, you're going, you know, maybe you're going on the Bell's line. Maybe I don't know where you're driving. Somewhere nice road around the twisties. You're stuck behind this dickhead in his car who won't go more than five kilometers around the corner. But then as soon as you get to the straights, when you can overtake, he's going 120. And yeah. that was Albon with that Williams advantage in this race where it was dog shit everywhere except the straights. But then it was the fastest car on the grid in the straights. No one could overtake him. Anyway, good race on Alex. In in the end, though, it's better than being in 17th, 18th. I mean, his teammate was in 18th. So I'm talking purely think- from a spectator. <laughs> oh, you know, for sure. For sure. Um, <laughs> you know, look at, look at that result. And then, as I said, Aston Martin figured – a lot more in that, you know, wheel-to-wheel, um, mid-pack racing. And and Seb ended up with eighth and Lance in, in 11th, Connor. It's not a horrible result for Aston Martin. It was actually a pretty decent result. And I think now, in, in the sense of Seb, now that he's announced his retirement and he's now going to be, you know, trying to get through these next nine races, you know, to finish off his career, the pressure's off him now. There's no expectation for him to... to I guess, be the team leader. He can just drive the way he wants without any, uh, you know, any contrition whatsoever. And he drove a very sensible race tonight. Did very, very well. Lance was just unlucky just to miss out on points. But even Lance had a good race. So Aston Martin, that was a good outcome for them. You know, to finish, you know, in the points and just outside, they'll come away from this weekend with a very happy uh, bag of points. Now, Harry... Um, something interesting about me running through the top 10 earlier that I don't know if you picked up on it or not, but Ferrari took sixth with Charles Leclerc. Um, mm. Somewhere in that last lap, Fernando got back past Charles. And you you shared in our WhatsApp during the race that Ferrari's own um No, no that was a joke. I know, that was but a it, joke. Was that made up or was that real? Yeah, it was made up. But the whole thing is... How did they stuff up that strategy again? They pulled him in to do a fastest lap, right? And he came out behind Alonso, which was kind of okay. And I think Martin justified it in the the live event by saying, oh, you know, he's going to get a slipstream here on his fastest lap run. But what happened? Because he came sixth. They gave away points. Fernando must have just got him again at the end because – like just, right yeah. at the end of that lap because they sort of went back and forth and sort of last one I thought I was watching, it looked like that Leclerc got back in front, but he's obviously not kept it. I saw, I saw a slow first sector because did you notice Fernando in, the, in that lap, so the lap that would have been theoretically Charles' fastest, the first turn, um, Fernando kind of pulled up in the first turn, went a bit wide, and, and it was if to say... You know, he was thinking, oh, I'm just going to let him pass here and then I'll pass him on the straight. Mm. It felt like Fernando was playing games. I can I can absolutely be sure in his ear he was told that <laughs> Charles was behind him and he's going to go for fast lap. And he went, no, he's not. <laughs> oh, God. It, like, um, it, it, it's just, I've got to say, Fernando's just still got it. Like, 
you know, for his age and yeah. the fact that, you know, I know he's moving to Aston Martin next year, but he's just a cagey driver. He's just still got that knack to pull something out of the hat and surprise everyone, you know, when, you know, everyone's, you look at Ferrari with Leclerc, they're trying to get the fast slap. And as you said, Trev, nah, I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm yeah. not going to let Charles do it. I'm going to spoil the party. And he did. That, that was just clever. So uh, just quickly behind the 10, Lance Stroll in 11th, Lando in 12th, um, Yuki, Joe Guanyu, and then Daniel Cutter in 15th. Now let's talk McLaren first, both this race and generally. Um, this was a very disappointing race for McLaren because Daniel started in 7th and sure, give up, I don't know, three or four places, go for your life. But how does he end up in 15th? How do they... I don't know. Yeah. I just feel like this was yeah. a very bad race for McLaren and not just for Daniel because Lando should have come through the pack as well. So something's gone wrong there. This car either wasn't suited to this track or they made some fundamental errors, Harry. I'm just not sure which one it is. They've got the opposite of the of the Williams problem. They've got no speed on the straights. Um, mm. And, you know, this will, when we get to Monza, this is going to be horrendous. I would not be surprised oh. if the McLaren in Monza is probably the, the second slowest car. I reckon they will be. Um, yeah. Oh, it's, embarrassing. <laughs> oh. it's a far it's, cry from last year. It is a far cry. It's And it's just, how would you how would you feel right now if you're Daniel Ricciardo? I mean, let's face it. He, he knows that, you know, he, his mind's pretty much checked out for the rest of the year now. He, he obviously wants to end the year as quickly as possible. And he, he just knows that he's going to come into Monza as the race, you know, last year's race winner. Everyone's expecting him to do so well. And yet he's got a car that is not performing the way he wants it. And the team relations have just not gone the way he expected it to be. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm just, I just feel like he's dreading Monza coming up. It just would not be a, a happy situation for anyone right now. Now, Let's talk McLaren drivers and, frankly, what the hell's going on. So, wow, what a what a wild, wild um, four weeks it's been. Not not as wild as it I thought it was going to be because nothing happened after the first two days. Like <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but I expected after a week there'd be you know contract negotiations and there'd be announcements. But essentially, we had two two or three days of craziness and then. Four weeks of nothing, and then a Daniel Ricciardo announcement. And what's fascinating is we're not going to get resolution till we're in about 24, 36 hours. We'll find out what's happening with um, the Alpine situation. But let's let's kind of unpack it one driver at a time. Um, firstly, Seb retired. See you later, mate. Um, great career. Um, Alonso going four weeks ago. I, well, this is my point, right? That that happened out mm. of complete shock right no one expected mm. that he joined instagram we thought that was amazing um <laughs> wow um so <laughs> in, in reality let's be clear everything that's going on contractually um and and generally everything's going on in, in formula one right now is seb's fault <laughs> because, because <laughs> no one no one saw that seat opening up until somewhere at hungary when fernando went and had a chat with Mike Crack, is that his name? I just feel really uncomfortable saying that without being really. I think it is. Out. Yes. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah, it feels it feels like you know the kind of thing that teenage Aussies would would use. Anyway, um, 
the <laughs> Alonso was was aware in Hungary that Seb was going to go, and Alonso was was thinking about that. And I think Alonso made a, a move and a decision at that point. And I think Alonso doesn't like the Alpine management as it stands now. Otmar, whoever it is, he doesn't like the fact. He said in an interesting interview on Sky, he said, "Look, I don't like the fact that they look at my passport as if to say, you know, he's too old and that they're they're only offering him one year because he doesn't want to be." you know, essentially reviewed on his performance every every five or six months. So he wanted a longer contract, um, and that was clearly on the table at Aston Martin. So bingo. There it is. He sets the driver market alight. Oh, literally at that moment, I text the media guy at Renault, or Alpine, and said, hey, I know it's crazy, but the moment Oscar's available, hit me up. Like, I don't want to do Zoom. Let's just do a phone call, and I'll just we'll just chat, and I'll get him on radio and do stuff. And he wrote back, I don't know, an hour later, won't happen <laughs> or something oh, like that. Wow. Um, and, and then and I, I've changed phones since, so I've lost the WhatsApp. But anyway, it was something like that. And then Oscar tweets, you know, that he's not driving for Alpine. What did you think at that point, Harry? Well, my first thought was, you know, historically, Fernando and Oscar's manager, Formula Stream, Formula One driver, Mark Webber, are good mates. Mm. Um and I, I still think that there, there was sort of a bit of planning there going on. Like you're sort of saying Fernando looking to really, you know, twist the knife a little bit into Alpine there um, mm. and, you know, make it work so that, that the situation that clearly that Piastri camp was not happy in, uh, they can get out of as well. I, I feel like it was, yeah, that, that was my first thought. Because in reality... Without the Fernando move, without the Seb decision, and therefore the Fernando move, because oh, without the, Seb the butterfly leaving, um, mm. Fernando is probably still at Alpine. Let's be clear; he he would have copped a, a one year because it's it's probably no other team he'd want to go to. But with him moving, Oscar Oscar's plans are thrown into chaos because you have to assume that Alpine were talking with Oscar's team and saying, "Listen, at this point, we we have no reason to move, but." We've we've got the right to put you somewhere, and and we will help. We'll, we'll make that happen. But they're sitting there going, well, we've got until we've got we're on contract till July thirty one. Let's just hold out, and then I'll have some chats with McLaren, and we'll see what's happening. Right. So they think that's going to happen, and then a seat opens up. The very seat that he's meant to be in opens up. Connor, I think, even though I, I hear what Harry's saying about Fernando and potentially them knowing it. Hmm. I still think that they had their plans in place, whether there's a contract in place or not, and all of this essentially forced their hand. And while they're probably not keen that it was kind of made public so quickly that he wasn't planning on driving for Alpine, that's essentially where it was at. They were always planning on leaving because they didn't think they were going to get a drive. And I think that was probably the wisest decision that Oscar's management had to do. They had to look elsewhere if they knew that, if Alonso is going to stay at Alpine, then they're not going to sit on another year on the sidelines doing diddly squat to, to get a drive. You know, they, they want to have Oscar on the grid. I mean, it just still is crazy that he is not on the grid right now. Let's face it, he should be on the grid, and he's not, which is still an absolute travesty. But I don't blame Mark Webber whatsoever for doing what he did. I think if you want to get on the grid, you have to look elsewhere. And... As Joe Saywood reported online via Twitter, and Joe Saywood is one of the best uh, reporters in Formula One in the paddock, he said that the contract did expire, I think, after July 31. And that's and, and as far as I'm concerned, 
Oscar's a free agent. He can do whatever he likes. And then that's exactly what he did. We're still waiting to find out if it's now official. It'll, ha- you know, it'll be resolved in the next few days. But I think Oscar had to do the thing that he had to do, and that was look after his own driving future. So I don't and blame Oscar whatsoever. Even if the contract review board says, Oscar, you're meant to be with Alpine, he's not going to race there. No Alpine way. Alpine are no. just going to use it as a leverage, Harry, aren't they, to get money out of another team to a sense. It's going to be like a baseball deal, you know, one 100%. team paying another to have a driver work there. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, the the interest from Renault HQ, who obviously owns Alpine and, and the Alpine F1 team, has never been really keen to, you know, pay for... I guess give it the budget that you, you might hope for for, for a manufacturer backing. So they actually, they kind of need to search for these types of money when, you know, they might be needing to pay out quite a larger bit of cash um, to let Oscar free and things like that. So yeah, there's, there's going to be looking for some payment there. And this is what I think this whole show is about. And, you know, we'll yeah. find out tomorrow. Mm. Maybe. And I think what's interesting about, you know, talking about money and payouts, I mean, Daniel's, now in a position where he's negotiated. And I think, you know, what I really respect most about the last week where Daniel's made his announcement is it, it was it was raw. It was very honest. Mm. It was yep. very real. It was very sad. It was, you know, you, you'd felt for him. It's like I've been sacked. He didn't say those words, but, geez, it felt like he said them. Um, and basically, you know, how do you feel? You feel sorry for someone who's just been paid out. Oh, I feel sorry for you, Dan. Um, yeah. <laughs> but you do. He's got so he, let's say he's on twelve million a year. Uh, he's got he's been paid that for next year plus a severance, so just to end it early. Um, so he's basically being paid. Uh, it's like in if you ever watch Moneyball, you know the, there's a there's a scene where the the Oakland A's coach says to one of the you know new recruits from from the New York Mets that, mate, I don't want to break it to you, uh, like. The New York Mets are paying you paying three million dollars to for you to play against them. So McLaren are that keen to have someone else in that seat that they're willing to pay Daniel for next year for him to race against them. Now, where does he race? Right? That's the first question. Harry, where does Daniel Ricciardo land next year? Uh, it's hard to say. Like it's as it's you know we, we sort of talk about now uh, how do you feel sorry for someone who. You know, he's walking away with many million dollars to to not work essentially. But the thing with with him and you know professional athletes in general is when they get to this point in their life and their career, it's all they've known up until now. All he's known is winning. Yeah. All he's known is being competitive. Um, and it's like it's the core of his identity, and all of a sudden that is just not part of him anymore. And you, you sort of see in his demeanor. And then with that, I think comes the decision that he makes. Is it is it, you know, maybe this thing with Gasly works out with Alpine, so that seat there is not available. And then what? The the only other seats potentially there are really uncompetitive teams in, in Williams and maybe Hassan. Is that is that where I want to finish? Do I do I just want to be in F1 brand. for F1's sake? Mm. Um it's yeah, it's uh, I, again like I, I can see the money side of it all and everything, but it's it's I, I do have a lot of sympathy for him in this situation. Make um, it guess. Where's he going to yeah. be? So I'll oh, make it bad. Oh. Uh, nowhere. Okay. Hat Connor. I've been saying for to quite a few people of late. I think he'll 
leave Formula One at the end of the season and go to America. I, I have said that yeah. quite a few times. Right, I think that too. Uh, I think mm. he'll go to either IndyCar or NASCAR. I, and personally, I think he'll do the latter. He'll go and do NASCAR because if you look at what Kimi Raikkonen did about a week ago when he raced at Watkins Glen, he adapted to NASCAR. I know it was a road course, but he adapted to the NASCAR way of life quite well. And I think Daniel would just be the perfect fit because his personality fits that kind of of racing series and the, and the, the stature of NASCAR in the United States, particularly in the southern states, you know, it's all built on personalities. So for me, Daniel would just be the perfect fit for NASCAR, and he does love that kind of racing. So, you know, money do would you, not be an issue for him. But do you think he could win in NASCAR? Whereas I, I, I think IndyCar, he, he genuinely in the right team, mm-hmm. um, yeah. you know, could, could win an IndyCar championship, which is obviously important. It, it could be possible for him to win some races, but I'm not sure. Maybe, maybe he still he still has that itch to race open wheelers. That IndyCar might be the more logical option, but just his personality in NASCAR just seems more of a perfect fit for him. And he could win races in that, but uh, yeah, it's a it's a hard one. It's a hard one to pick which particular route he'll go. But if he was to do IndyCar, he'd have a better chance of winning races. I think he would be a lot happier. You look at Romain Grosjean. He's done very well since mm-hmm. he moved to IndyCar. Yeah. And I think the competition is much, much stronger right now. And we've seen so many different winners in IndyCar. So if he is to go IndyCar, I hope he finds a team that is very competitive, that gives him the package that he deserves to win races in. In, in all honesty, I agree. I think America is where he goes and... I think he hangs up the the hat wanting the fun and excitement and wins. So NASCAR more likely. But I think IndyCar would be great. And I know I'm hedging my bets. But let me let me be the different one and say so I think he stays in Formula One. Um, and who does he stay with? Well, so this is – I think that that fun part of him might want to see out his career, having some fun and pushing, pushing a, a bit of a team – spirit in Haas like I think it's weird but I think his reaction to the Gunter question today was interesting mm. um I think that like I, I I still think and I know it's ludicrous but I still think Lawrence Stroll should make a bold decision oh, to, 100% to to get rid of Lance and put Alonso and Ricardo side by side yeah. the brand for Aston Martin would be ridiculous Oh, it, would, yeah. it would lift the brand in America because Daniel is strong in America. He's marketable in America, which is also why I think Haas, you know, would see him as marketable. Even just merchandise money would be big for them. Do you know what I mean? So I think that if he wants to race, William. he can race with Haas. Yeah. I think Williams is too much of a uh, a risk. I know there's there's been some good well, results. No, no. I mean, I, I mean, Lawrence Stroll. Uh, paying for Lance to go back there in Latifi's place. That's not a bad idea. That just, I, I hear it, but seriously, yeah. Dad, no, Dad, can you just buy me a yacht? <laughs> uh, no, come on. Can you buy you me know. Mercedes? Buy me Mercedes, but no, I don't say that. Buy me the Mercedes car company. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, 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 so, so my, my, my sense is that he'll stay in Formula One because I think. I think he he said pretty clearly he doesn't want to do anything in the next couple of weeks because he wants to get through these three races, which is going to be horrible for him because mm. 
oh, we're not sure the car's going to be up to any of them. Um, I, I ideally want him to do better than Lando in a couple of races just to put the big middle finger up because I just have this hatred of Lando right now. But that's a very biased opinion, and I get that. Um, and I really want Oscar to, to smash him. So it, it's going to be great. I hope I hope Oscar gets a chance to actually do some FP1 or something so that we can – well, that would be awkward as hell for Daniel. No, I don't anyway. know if that's going to happen. Oh. Yeah. But he kind of yeah. needs to though, right? He, he kind of needs to. I mean, if he's going to do it though, he's going to – surely they have to do it in Lando's spot. Like <laughs> – <laughs> the optics. Oh. Hey, Dan, we're just going to take your name off, leave the flag. We're going to just throw Oscar in, and he's going to go, oh. like, you know what? Oh, oh, oh. Watch oh, Dan get COVID real quick. You know what I mean? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's still seats open, right? So here's the thing. We're, Mercedes is locked in, Ferrari's locked in, Red Bull. I think Perez is locked in, isn't he? Yeah, um, yes, he is. Either way, either way there's, there's no real option there. I still think there's a strong chance the French connection works for Alpine marketing-wise. Um, I think McLaren is is pretty clearly going to be Norris and Piastri. Uh, Alpha Tauri uh, could have an open seat, and I don't know who they bring in. So there's an open seat there, which is exciting. I think um, they'll bring in Liam Wilson. What do you think, I think they The they're rumors uh, I, I saw just before about Herter. Mm-hmm. Potentially going. Yes, carry. I did. I did see that. Yeah, which but, would make sense if if Piastri is is going to take that uh, that McLaren spot. Yeah, <laughs> Joe probably stays at Alpha. Although you know, there's there's a chance he won't. Um, who, who do you bring into Williams Sergeant? Oh, that's a weird seat. I mean, it, it, maybe it's still a Tifi, like in the sense of it would make sense of Tifi. No, no, Tifi's gone. Latifi's no, no, gone. It, it, I, I reckon it will be Logan Sargent, but the problem is because Logan is not driving for a higher team, the interest in the US will just – yeah, exactly. The yeah, interest in the US will just not be there in that that's sense. That's why Latifi so makes I, the most sense. Give him one more year, you know, get some more development into the car with that mm. money, and then season after get a real driver. Spend his money it's for one now. One of the most you know? open seasons in a long time, isn't it? You know, in terms of the number of seats that are open at this time of year, it's quite. It's, I I can't remember it being there. There being this many chess pieces in play um, for a long time. Oscar's a year too early. A year too early, you think? Oh no, no. I mean, in the sense of if it was this situation going into the twenty twenty two season, he'd be on the grid. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Yeah, spot on, spot on. Um, let me ask you this: Does Schumacher stay on the grid next year, Harry? Oh, I don't know. That's a, like, it's hard to say because I think it would depend completely on not so much his performance now. It, it, it's is there a better option? Um, yeah. You know, you, you sort of mentioned just then. Is there that option with with Daniel there in that Haas seat? And I think you know if they can work something out there. I, I don't think that Mick's got another seat, another option. Um, and I, I wouldn't mind seeing him alongside Bottas. Um, yeah, but I don't I think, think that'd be, that'd be like not losing. So he's done really well, and he's got he's paying, and he's doing well. It's the dream combo. Like that's, yeah, that's yeah. every F one team's yeah. dream. He's not got, he's not moving. I reckon Joe's so. staying. Oh, Joe's staying. Yeah. And what about Schumacher, Connor? <sighs> I want to give him one more year to see if he can actually tag it up to Magnussen, but. I don't know. I, I, I'm I'm on the fence with that one as well. I, I really am on the fence because 
Ferrari have uh, they they're supplying the engines to Haas, and they they'll probably be willing to offer another driver from their academy to replace Schumacher if if, if Haas really need to. No, oh, they, they don't do actually. It? You're right. Well, well, Schwartzman's been sitting on the on the on well, he's, the uh, floor, <laughs> floor, but he's too still too soon. Yeah, well, we're not, he's also Russian, isn't he? Yeah, he is. He's not getting anywhere near the grid for uh, for a while. Can't love. I Russia. think. I think. I, I I have this feeling that Schumacher will still be on the grid. I'm hedging my bets, but I think he might still be on the grid. It's in the bones. There it is, ladies and gentlemen. It's in the bones. Um, you know, the other thing we should quickly talk about is Audi. Um, so mm. uh, now I, I haven't read a lot into it, but. I was discussing this with my son, and we're like, oh, cool, another team. And then we're like, no, he's just an engine supplier. So it looks like it's going to be um, Sauber Audi. Is that what we're what we're seeing here? So Alfa Romeo ends their relationship at the end of next year, and then give them a couple more years to develop. It'll be uh, Audi, um, Sauber, and uh, Red Bull Porsche. Uh, Connor, is that kind of where you see it going? I see that going that way because that's been long mooted that Red Bull and Porsche are going to partner up, and I think that'll be a fantastic partnership. But the the partnership between Audi and Sauber, it probably makes a lot of sense because it's not the first time that Sauber have had factory involvement with a manufacturer. Of course, remember they had their association with BMW back in the mid-2000s. That was a successful one. So... It's not. It's not impossible. I reckon if, if if it's done right, Saudi will be a massive power horse with Audi. I think it would be really, really good to see. Uh, it, it's sad that the relationship with Alfa Romeo is coming to an end, but I, I think mean, this can only be. Yeah, a, I think it's a good marking the the Alfa relationship. It, it is. It wasn't technical. It's was just a part a commercial partnership in the end, and uh, yeah, I think I think. This, if it is, if and when it's announced with Sauber, I think they'll do very, very well out of it. Wow, I'm exhausted. It's a takeover, right? As well, I think, I think it's a takeover too. I think Sauber's basically not going to be there, as we know it. It'll be, so I think Audi's going to take over seventy five percent, and then uh, you know the, the remaining twenty five remains with that ownership. So, yeah, it's it's. I don't think I don't but, think there's anyone from Sauber like the the, the family the Sauber have been yeah, there for a while. Yeah. Still, uh, though, however they keep that twenty five percent, they got the chance of easily coming back to for fifty one percent at some point. You know what I mean? Like that's More the than yeah. that's that yeah. <laughs> um, that's what's interesting about it. But I still I still think it's weird that we're not expanding the grid. Like you talk about sports yeah. that expand, and I know the money is needs to be split, but. I mean, you're making more money. You should split it between more teams. They don't want Andretti's in the in the in the sport. So, it's a very strange thing not to expand the sport in, especially with an American team when America's where they want to get their cash. Like, there's some weird stuff about the sports decisions of late, Connor. I think broadly. Yeah, I, I, I just, I sometimes wonder where Formula One is going at the moment particularly under the current ownership, because obviously we've got now three races in the US next year, which is great. You know, it's great that they're building on that market. But, yeah, we saw Miami was a kind of bit of a fizzer and we're starting to wonder if Las Vegas is going to be the same. So and I know they want to keep building their their footprint, but how it's like how much can you, how much can you take before the, the concept wears thin on on a certain country, you know, you need, yeah, I just hope yeah. that they're not expanding too much in one particular, in one particular market and then they, the bubble will just burst. So 
yeah, I think they're just got to be careful in that regard. As long as they keep a Ramco as a sponsor, they'll be doing very well. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Um, Harry, it's kind of interesting, isn't it? Because in the end, we've got three weeks back to back. Can you imagine being the drivers in this, you know, debate? Like your Gasly's, your Ricardo's, your Schumacher's, all the up in the air seats. It's like no one actually asked Latifi. I've never seen Latifi interviewed, frankly, I don't think. Um but anyway, um, <laughs> like they've got to put up with it for three weeks at the very least, um, back to back. That's the yeah. challenge that they run, isn't it, Harry? I mean, and this is why they're getting paid lots of money to leave contracts and things like that too. But I, I also, on that note, I, I didn't really like the Sky interview with, with Daniel either. Um, it, it just kind of, like the, the whole interview, it kind of felt like, it was Rachel who did it, right? Wasn't there? Yep. Yeah, it was right. She just... Kind of just was was kept going like who what are you gonna do next year who are you gonna race next year have you talked to this person next year like is, if he's gonna say shit like either way like he, he's well, gonna and, be in the middle of the, the, the negotiation on that and look I I played into it but that's because you know you you do what you can but you know uh, Jess going to McLaren and and interviewing Zach and then Daniel. It's, it, you know what, it's just proof that it's that whole, you know, we've got the full support of the board situation, you know, it's a football coach thing. Zach and Andreas, they all said he was going to see out his contract, yet they all, there's no way they weren't thinking it back then. And look, what do you do? Do you be honest? No, because you can't. Just, this is the challenge of, of sport and big dollar contracts. There's nothing they're going to say that is, there was one question, I can't exactly remember what it was in that interview, but he, I think she said, um, she didn't just say, do you want to be in Formula One next year? She asked him something a little bit more specific and he he thought, kind of went, yeah, that's actually a good question. And he did pause to thought. Those are the questions that, that have the most value, yeah. I think. Because it's not about, are you speaking to Gunter? Of course he's speaking to Gunter. Every single team would have picked up the phone to say, just out of curiosity, is he going to drive for $1 yeah. or does he want $10 million? Like, we just need to know because we might get rid of people here. Um, but you know, he's not going to tell us. Like, no. like if 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 uh, McLaren said to me, "You can speak to Daniel," and I spoke to him, he's not going to tell me suddenly what he's got happening <laughs> at all. Like, what 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 do we think? They're just going to go. You know what? Actually, you've asked me, and I'm going to answer. We're negotiating right now. It's a fifteen million dollar guy. <laughs> Jesus, and, come on! And like, it puts yeah. him in such a shit position because you know, obviously, he would know how it comes across. You know, in the interviews yeah. to be like, oh, no, I can't tell you, whatever. And so he's there going, what the, like, how do I freaking answer this? Because I obviously can't tell you the truth, but I also don't want to come off as, you know, cagey or whatever either. Uh, and, mm. Yeah. So hey, he's it. in the best position now because McLaren will be happy not to put him up for anything because they don't need the bad publicity as well. So he can pretty much sail through until he makes a decision, um, which will be, which will be fascinating. And obviously we'll, um, We'll find out what that is, but I do. I do think that it will take some time because I think that now that the number of chess pieces on the table are so large, um, not just this contract review board, but everything like the Gasleys, the Schumachers, all those different things need to fall into place. Um, you know, Gunter doesn't make it make an offer; it has to go through Gene. You know, there's a lot of things that have to happen for an offer to be made. So it, it, it'll take some time, and uh, and I think that probably we'll know. You know, with with three or four races to go, we'll know what's happening pretty pretty clearly, and and we'll go from there. Connor, I feel very delighted that you get to have the honour again of of running us through the standings. I 
I think I did okay. And I, again, by the way, shout out to Luke King for jumping on board. Yeah. Um, he, he was he was great value. Um, it was really weird to have you know a proper driver's insight into some things, and uh, and we really appreciate him doing that for us while you were a Tour de Francing. But uh, let's talk constructors first, Connor. Um, Red Bull smashing it and can pretty much wrap up the championship, I think. Yeah, we're getting closer now. Uh, they're about almost 120 points ahead of Ferrari. They're about 118 at the moment. Right. So Red Bull 475, Ferrari 357. But Mercedes, they can still take second if Ferrari have a few bad races. So it's not the end of the world for Mercedes. They're doing quite well mm-hmm. despite the fact that it's not their year this year. So they're on 316. Alpine are fourth on 115, 20 ahead now of McLaren. Now, it's interesting. They've gone, in the last couple of years, they've gone from third in 2020 to fourth last year, and they're now currently fifth. I mean, they've just dropped down the ladder in the last mm-hmm. couple of years. Alfa Romeo is six on 51, Haas on 34, Alpha Tauri ahead of Aston Martin on 29 and 24, respectively, and Williams, with that point by Albon, are on four points. Um, wow. Says a just, lot. It is quite funny. Uh, and uh, a, a little little switch up in the driver's standings with uh, Charles dropping down his place. Yes. So it's a Red Bull 1-2 once again. Max Verstappen, 284. Sergio, 191. So that's like a 93-point margin at the moment. I think within the next three to four races, if if Max keeps dominating, he will wrap up the championship without doubt. Charles is third on 186, so five points behind. Carlos Sainz, 171. George Russell, he's only a point behind Carlos on 170, so he can still snatch fourth position, even third if... Both Ferrari drivers have a bad race coming up. Lewis Hamilton, six on 146. Lando on 76 points. Esteban on 64. Alonso on 51. And Valtteri Bottas has dropped a 10th on 46 points. And if you're wondering where Daniel Ricciardo is, he's dropped a 13th on 19 points. In reality, no one's wondering who's doing anything but first, second, and third. And no one will remember who came anything but first. Uh, as I've said before, um, <laughs> it is what it is. Um, yeah, kind of, uh, kind of the most action-packed um, Formula One period in some time, and not because of the racing. And I, I worry about uh, Monza, uh, but I don't know. We'll see what happens with qualifying. It can be hectic and crazy. But we're going. Um, uh, what are we back to back now? We got um, uh, Dutch Grand Prix next. Um, and then Italy with Monza the week after. So uh, what's uh, Dutch is 11 o'clock. They're both 11 o'clock races. Good time. Yep. That's just what we need. Um, and we'll uh, we'll discuss off air what the hell we're doing next week because I'll be in Berlin. But anyway, we'll work that Berlin. out. I'll be in Bali. It's be all the bees. Wow. Yeah, getting on the sh- what, what's this the multi-continent episode. Yeah, it's just afternoon in Berlin, so it could be problematic. We'll see what happens. Um, but anyway, no, no matter what, Connor will be here. <laughs> yes, I will be. <laughs> yes, I will be. <laughs> All right, boys. Um, let's uh, let's get some sleep. Everyone enjoy the uh, the recap of the race and uh, catch up with it all on KO Sports. Um, you can recap the minis. You can probably recap some better races if you want to um, just to get the, the thing going. But what would actually be more interesting is probably to recap some of the pre- and post-race interviews just to bring yourself up to speed with what – the, the pundits are saying, you know, the, the Martin Brundles and Paul Dresters of the world and some of those interviews because there was a lot to take in in terms of the 
driver market and all those different changes. So there's a bit of other stuff to watch in, uh, in outside of the race itself as well because all that stuff stays up there on KO as well. Boys, um, talk to you next week. See you. See you then.